so uh, so with that let's move on to this uh, this uh, this time of life which is actually the most interesting and uh, most fascinating time of life as all of you many of you young parents so you know exactly what i'm talking about you know it's uh, it's been a it's been a while since uh, since i've been through this period uh, you know all of my kids are in childhood or above uh, but uh, but nevertheless i went through it nine times so i know how uh, how interesting it is uh, and uh, and this is a uh, uh, typically you know what you think about uh, again you know it varies by child but generally it's sort of a, a range of birth to you know when the child is 4 or 5 and this is a period of intense change okay and uh, when you uh, when you look at psychological research and all that and physical research in fact neurological research uh, what you find is that uh, during this period is is when the children's neurons are starting to fire their nerve nervous system is starting to develop and and therefore it's the the highest rate of learning okay that any human being will ever have the highest rate in the growth of learning that any human being will ever have um, you know uh, is during these first 5 years okay or the first 6 or 7 years uh, after that the rate of learning of course you learn a lot more and it's more complex stuff but your ability to learn goes down which is why uh you know you take a child a perfect example of this is you take any child and uh take language okay uh you put a child in uh, in an environment where uh, you know where they're hearing that language uh you know from during this time they pick it up so quickly right you don't even have to teach them now you take somebody like me and you put him in if you send me to uzbekistan today um you know there's absolutely no hope of me learning uh, any uzbek i've been in I've been in uh, Bangalore for the last, uh, you know, I don't know, ten years or something, eleven uh, years, um, and I haven't learned a, a word of Kannada, okay, other than Kannada Gotilla, and that's because it was the title of our twenty-one uh, days of challenge. Um, so, uh, you know, the problem the problem is that at this age, my ability to learn, I still have an ability to learn, but the ability to learn is and the rate of learning is. slowed down right the faculties have slowed down to where you can and and by the way it starts slowing down from about age 6 or 7 so and this is important as we think about this particular topic of shepherding a child's heart uh, because see sometimes we tend to ignore those years and we tend to think oh well the child doesn't know anything oh what do they know they don't know how to talk they you know uh, without realizing that they are actually uh, getting in so much input remember your child comes into the world with not having seen anything not having heard anything not having any experience and they are being bombarded with all of this experience and so they are adjusting physically they are growing physically they are adjusting socially right they start off with their parents uh, the father and the, the mother especially and the father uh, and they are growing intellectually and then gradually their circle starts growing you know grandparents friends uh, you know relatives and and so on and so forth uh, and um, you know and and uh, so so it's a it's a big time of social change it's a big time of intellectual change which is what i just talked about and uh, you know it's a big time of spiritual change so so the child is developing spiritually okay so remember god has put in everyone's heart a desire for him okay and that heart that desire is there that spiritual desire is there even in the heart of the child don't assume that that child at that age has no spiritual yearning or spiritual desire right uh, and uh, you know uh, the development and and this is a great opportunity great time in life to actually shepherd the child and you will see later on in this chapter if you've read it i really encourage you to read it. it's a very good chapter 
that um, you know that um, if you if you get it right you know during this time frame you are setting yourself up for you know a lot less grief down the road okay a lot more probability of uh, of blessing down the road okay i was going to say success but i don't want to say success because we measure success in all kinds of ways but a blessing uh, you know in terms of the way your kids turn out in terms of their understanding of god uh, and so it's 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 very very important this period is i, I would say probably the most important right uh, in fact i love this uh, you know this uh, quote uh, yeah this uh, on page 133 you know i just underlined it it says uh, you know do not wait for the straining is talking about uh, honoring your parents uh, do not wait for the straining until your child children are teenagers right if you do you will suffer the indignity of their disrespect okay deal with this in the first several years respectful teenagers are developed when they are 1 2 3 4 or 5 not when they are 13 14 15 or 16 you can't start doing something that so you start you know and i tell you if you if you do it right when they are when they are the first 5 years you know you will your you don't have to worry about those teen years yeah there will be there will be little things here and there uh, but you know if they learn about respect they learn about honoring their parents they learn about obedience they learn about uh, submitting to god you know if those concepts are are, are are ingrained in them in those first 5 years you'll find the subsequent years to be uh, uh you know far more of a, of a blessing than uh, than a difficult time so this is very important so what is <clears throat> what is the main objective here um is is really uh you know Ephesians 6 1 to 3 right children obey your parents and the lord for this is right right honor your father and mother you know uh, for this is the first uh, you know first uh, command with a promise right um so it's it's going back to the uh, the the exodus 20 and the 10 commandments uh, so teach a child that he or she is under uh, is an individual under authority uh, and remember we have to keep going back to the god as the authority the parent as authority under god and then the children as you know under the authority of the parents and they have to understand this right children obey and one of the things that i used to do um you know that that i've done with all my kids growing up is when we had to have those discipline talks right when we have to have the talks uh, often when we have to have the uh, the use of the rod right uh, what uh, what we do is what i do is i keep quoting this verse to them right and i make them memorize to where uh, you know all i have to do at some point is even even with the little you know one year old two year old one and a half year old is to say children and they'll sort of repeat obey your parents in the lord for this is right okay you need to teach them that that's a verse from the bible and then you explain to them you know this is what god says why do you have to obey me because god says you have to obey me it's not me telling you to obey me it's god right it's about obeying god and and so they learn that god is the authority they learn that you are under authority to god and they have to be under authority to you because god who is the ultimate authority has commanded them to do it right so um so you know and and another point he makes in the in the book here uh, is that um, you know submission to earthly authority is a specific application of being a creature under god's authority so how do they learn about god's authority see god is uh, can see you know they can't see god right you can you cannot visualize god uh, he's not a being that's that's out there uh, and he's not giving them commands every day right he gives it through us you know so mom and dad are present okay they're here they're here and the here and now right they're actually uh, speaking communicating verbally Uh, to the child right they're communicating in different ways verbal and non verbal 
Okay, so obedience to God is reflected in a child's growing understanding of obedience to parents. So when the child learns to obey his parents, then it becomes easy for him or her to obey God because the connection is clear. You know, you are to obey me, okay, as a parent because we are under authority and you obey God, you know, just like you're under authority, me, you know, we're all under authority to God and therefore you must obey God. So it becomes a little more real to that child, right? So, uh, you know, um, uh, and, uh, you know, if you, if you firmly establish, teach these lessons in the early years, in that zero to five age range, right, before they're five or by the time they're five or six, okay, then, uh, you know, you, it will yield a lot of fruit later, right? And then he talks about the circle of blessing, right? When you look at, uh, when you look at that Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, okay, there's a circle of blessing, which is that you obey, you know, the parents, when you obey them, you're showing them honor, right? And if you do that, then things will go, that it may go well with you and that you may uh, live a long life. So there's a promise there that it will go well with you when you do what? When you honor and obey your parents. And that's sort of a circle of safety. He calls it a circle of protection, right? Um, you know, and the important thing is that you're not being obeyed just for your sake, okay? It is not to please your ego or my ego. Uh, it's not to please our ego, but it is rather to uh, please God, right? You, you, you must be obeyed uh, for their own sakes, right? So that they might have a blessing. So it's like, you know, you have to remind the child that you obey me because God has told you and God has promised that when you obey me as your parent, that you will have a blessing. And how do you get that blessing? By obey, obeying and honoring your father and your mother, right? And so you are trying to, when the child rebels, okay, you are you are trying to, uh, you know, to, to save them. You're trying to rescue them, right? And we use those tools that we talked about, the rod and reproof and the appeal to conscience, right? We use those tools to uh, train the child and to, and to get them away from rebellion, to get them when they move outside that circle of, uh, you know, the circle of safety to bring them back in. And the more, you know, they'll keep pushing, right? They're sinners. So they keep pushing to go out you know, you got to bring them back in. They push to go out, you got to bring them back in. They push to go out, you bring them back in. Okay. And so honoring parents means treating them with respect and esteem because of their position of authority, because of who they are. And this is a concept that, uh, you know, that unfortunately in the world today, you know, this matter of honoring authority or submitting to authority has lost its uh, its value. We know that in Indian culture, it used to be a big thing, right? You honor your elders. You always stand up when your elders come. You become very casual, right? Um, so uh, the important thing is that is that if you want your <clears throat> children to honor you, then you must be honorable in your conduct as well, okay? And in your demeanor. And he makes that point. So we need to lead by example. We need to teach them. Okay, we need to show them by our example, right? Um, so the parent must train him to do the right thing, to honor and to obey. But the parent must be honorable in his conduct and demeanor as well. Okay, you can't act in different ways. You know, you have we have to be respectful. If we want them to uh, learn respect, we have to be respectful, right? And I'll just read uh, at the top of page 134. A parent who is respectful to his children and teaches them with dignity and respect will be respected by his children. You may not uh, yell at your children. You do not make them your slaves. Suffering indignities from your from you cannot be part of submission to authority. When you fail to be respectful or courteous or sin against them, you must ask, you must seek forgiveness. There is a sowing and reaping principle here. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. It is as true in childbearing as it is anywhere. And I've got to tell you, you know, this is where 
you know, the importance of the parent's spiritual life comes in. Okay. Um, you know, you need to be exhibiting the fruit of the spirit. You need to be exhibiting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Right. And, and, and so you cannot, I, I think I've said this in every, every session. Okay. And I cannot say it enough. Okay. The quality of your parenting is not going to be, uh, you know, any better than the quality of your uh, spiritual walk with the Lord, okay, of your own spiritual life. You cannot neglect your spiritual life and expect that you're going to somehow, you know, uh, be a good parent who will teach your kids and, and bring your kids up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, which is why, you know, it is important that, that, that your children see that example. They see that you are acting in certain ways. And by the way, the reverse is true. We're not talking about activities, okay? We're not talking about, you know, somebody who preaches and teaches and then turns around and, and, and acts disrespect, disrespectfully to his wife and his kids, uh, you know, that's, that's even worse. Okay. So don't, don't live a hypocritical life. You have to model uh, maturity, spiritual maturity, but if you're neglecting it, then, then that will definitely show up in a, in a very negative way. Okay. So, um, yeah, so, so, so then there's a lot of things here about obedience, right? So what is obedience? Okay, obedience is willing submission of one person to the authority of another, and it means doing it without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. So in this age range of zero to five, when you find that your child has the understanding and they are choosing, he or she is choosing to disobey you, okay, that's when you need to really start disciplining them. Okay, and I mean disciplining means you need to start talking to them, having that communication, and you need to use the rod if they if they repeatedly disobey. We talked about that extensively last couple of weeks. Okay. And we have to be consistent. So it's very important that we have to be consistent. So children must know, okay, if you let it go sometimes and don't let it go and don't let it go at other times if if when you are not angry and you don't have time, you let it go. Okay, or you know, you only uh, discipline them when you are in anger and irritated. Then you know, you send mixed messages. You send the wrong message. You children need consistency. Okay, it brings stability. They need to know what is tolerated and what is not. What is acceptable and what is not. Right. That's the only way they will learn to obey. That's the only way they will know what their limits are, and they will live by that limit. Okay. So, uh, so that's the importance of consistency. And then. Uh, you know, another point they talk about is a process of appeal to authority. And please read this uh, this chapter. I'm just sort of hitting the, the high points here. Okay, so, uh, you know, once your children learn and as, as they grow up, you know, it's important that you give them that appeal to authority. So we can see, you know, the example of Daniel, right? Uh, and I love that example. And uh, Jerry has, has talked about this, uh, you know, Jerry, Raven, others have taught about this. But you, you, you see you know, how Daniel approaches it, right? So if we, if we just go, probably worth taking a minute uh, to go to Daniel chapter one, right? So here, here we have Daniel in a strange land. He's got these new authority figures over him, you know, who have absolute power over him. He's a captive, um, you know, and they're being asked to do something that they, they can do, right? Eat the food offered to the king or the food given to the king, which has been offered to idols and uh, drink the king, eat the king's delicacies, um, you know, and uh, uh, so what, what does Daniel do in verse 8? Okay, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So he makes a request, okay, a humble request. It's not saying, hey, you know what, uh, you know, your food, you know, it's offered to idols. Uh, okay, I can't eat that stuff. 
you know, it's uh, it's going to defile me. You know, if I eat your food, you know, I'm going to uh, uh, I'm going to defile myself. I mean, you can imagine how how they would think about that, right? Uh, but what does he say? He requested uh, the chief of the eunuchs that he might not. He made a request, a humble request, and then he says, "Now God had brought Daniel into favor and." goodwill of the chiefs and the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel. So now we see Daniel is having an, an, a dialogue, right? A reasonable dialogue with the chief of the eunuchs who says, I fear my Lord, the king. He says, look, you know, okay, fine. You know, I'm not too bothered what you eat or don't eat, but you know, I, my head will get chopped, right? By the king. If you guys turn out not looking very healthy. Okay. Uh, I fear the Lord, my Lord, the king who has appointed you, your food and drink here as a king who's telling me, I you know I'm under authority. To the king, he has appointed you to eat and drink this for, for, and if he sees your faces looking worse than the young men, uh, you would endanger my head. Okay, so he's saying, look, I've got a genuine problem here. Okay, it's not about you defining yourself in any of those things. It's my head, right? It's either you look good or it's my head, right? So um, you know, it's an existential thing for him. So Daniel, what is Daniel? Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, uh, please test your servant. So Daniel again makes an appeal. He says, okay, fine. I understand that you're worried about your head, but let's do this. Can we at least, can you at least test me? And you see how he's doing it gently. He's giving options. Okay, he's presenting it in a proper way. Test us for 10 days and let them give us vegetables. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the kings. And as you see fit, so deal. He said, okay, fine. At least allow me to do this, right? And then you can do what you want. You see if it, if it's you know cause going to cause a problem and you're going to lose your head, then fine, we'll do what you want, right? So he consented with them in this matter and tested them till So we see, you know, uh, that appeal. It's a slightly different situation than parent and child, of course. But but we we see how uh, Daniel sets an example uh, of appeal, and it's important that we give our children this um, this sort of uh, he calls it a safety valve here. Okay, for for uh, for obedience, right? The safety valve to appeal when they are asked to obey something. So you tell your your child to do something, okay? And and the safety valve that checks two things. One is it's a check against us, okay? That uh, maybe you know sometimes in our anger we'll have said something very quickly and rashly, you know, because whatever we're irritated or whatever, maybe not even anger, but you're just irritated and they're bothering you and you're telling them something, you know, stop this or go and do this or, or go to bed or whatever. Right. Um, and maybe, you know, that appeal allows you to have a discussion and provides that child with. And of course, this is something you do a little later, like when they're closer to the uh, four or five and they understand they can actually communicate right to you. Uh, secondly, it's a safety valve for the children. So they know, you know, that they have that opportunity to appeal that dad and mom is not a tyrant, just dictator, just imposing something, you know, um, you know, um, uh, and uh, and they're living in fear. OK. You know, I remember, uh, you know, uh, speaking of dictators living in fear, you know, I remember a few years ago, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the the North Korean football team, you know, went to the World Cup. They somehow made it to the World Cup and, uh, you know, uh, uh, they ended up losing. And uh, when they got back, you know, their dictator, their Kim, Kim, whatever his name is, uh, you know, sent them off to some concentration camp or put them in some deep punishment. So, and those people knew, in fact, some of them didn't want to go back because they knew what awaited them. Okay. Uh, you know, there was no reasoning. There was no nothing. They've dishonored the nation. And so they had to be punished. Right. So we want to give the children a safety valve where they know. Now you may still say, no, this is what it is. And you have to obey. In which case they have to obey. 
right? If they appeal and you say you deny the appeal, but at least they know they have that safety valve, right? So, uh, and it's important that, uh, and he says that, you know, the appeal procedure, procedure is a good after command safety valve. So that's a safety valve that uh, you provide to the child after the command is given, right? Uh, but then it should be accompanied by the child, um, you know, being willing to obey. So it's not, uh, the appeal shouldn't happen in a way of defiance. It shouldn't happen uh, in a way that shows, you know, the way that, you know, in a way that comes out of defiance and, and rebellion. Okay, but rather a genuine appeal to explain to them that, you know what, and use that example of, you know, if the child is doing something and tell to go, to go to bed or whatever, simple example, right? They might say, you know what, I've only got half a page left. Can I finish that? Okay, and that's a reasonable appeal. You say, yeah, sure, go ahead. <coughs> you know, finish it and then go to bed, right? But he says a very important point is that there is an important before command safety valve, and that is that the wise parent will weigh whether the directive he is giving is necessary and appropriate. So this is important that you and I should think before I give the command, is this the right thing to do? Am I being unreasonable? Am I really thinking it from the child's point of view and understanding what the child might be going through? And am I giving him a reasonable command that he can obey? You know, like with a little kid going around, right? And, and you tell it not to do something, you know, um, you know and uh, you can't expect a, a toddler running around who's you know, very inquisitive and wants to get into everything. You know, you need to think about another way to deal with that, right? And not just issue commands and then go off and start spanking them. But if you have told them and they understand, right? And they refuse to obey with that understanding, then of course, you got to deal with discipline, right? So as a wise parent, I'm just quoting from the book here, you must exercise sensitivity to your child's needs and wishes as you provide direction. By doing so, you model... Uh, and I put it here on the slide, you model godly authority that is truly kind. So, uh, you know, it's important that they learn that, you know, we talked about when I talked this morning, right? Yeah, God is holy, he is righteous, uh, he hates some of these things, he hates sin, you know, but at the same time, he's merciful, he's loving, he's kind, he's gracious, you know, all of these things, right? And, and we, as parents, we need to model those things, you know, we need to model both sides of that part of the nature and character of God. Okay, so I, I hope you understand this. Uh, it's very important. Uh, and then, you know, as you think about this, you know, the, the importance of example, right? We talked about it. So how do you uh, set an example of submission? Okay, so you set an example of submission when, you know, the wife submits to the husband or, the, uh, or if you're working out there, you submit to your, uh, to your um, um, you know, to your uh, um, authority, your, your, whoever you work for, your bosses, right, at, at the office. Uh, or if you're in the church, you submit to elders. Okay, and I can tell you, you know, I've uh, I, I've seen examples in my own life where, you know, maybe, um, you know, in my growing up years, I saw people who were not submitting to elders, okay, whether right or wrongly or whatever, you know, whether they might have had good reason not to. Uh, but it was very clear and they would talk about it publicly and that, that had an influence, okay, a negative influence on me. Okay, so, so you know, you can't expect to teach your children, okay, on the one hand, that they should respect you and honor you and obey you because you are the authority in their life, while you, on the other hand, are are not, uh, you know, not submitting to the authorities that God has placed over your life, right? Especially in the church and especially in your job and especially in your marriage. So this is why example is, is critical. 
okay uh, and when you when you submit to your parents it is a call to trust god rather than self self means doing what you want when you want and how you want right but you're called to trust god and this is an act of faith so you are you are in faith saying that you know what god okay you have given me these two father and mother as my parents okay and i'm trusting that they are under your authority and you are guiding them to Uh, you know to direct my life and i'm putting myself into your into their hands by and by doing that i'm putting myself into your hands right i'm trusting you to direct them to do the right thing for my life okay now uh, and then we have to focus on the gospel all right so this is a great time to teach them about rebellion uh, and uh, and sin okay rebellion of the heart and the sin nature um, and uh, you have to prepare uh prepare them to receive that seed you have to plant the seeds of the gospel because the gospel the 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 gospel of salvation the gospel of christ it sprouts you know that seed sprouts in a environment that really understands the seriousness of sin that understands uh you know the extent to which uh, he or she is a sinner and again reading from the book it says the gospel has great relevance <clears throat> the gospel has great relevance for the child who is persuaded that god calls him to do something that is not native to his sinful heart to joyfully and willingly submit to the authority of someone else only the power of the gospel can give a willing heart and the strength to obey so it's important that during this time that we are teaching them about sin and about rebellion and about the antidote to that which is the gospel which is the death of christ right and when you do it right the first time it saves time later on okay uh so this is this is really important and then uh, you know as we as we go through uh, you know the we talk about the process the procedure and we already covered a lot of this so during this time you know the rod is the primary tool so i pulled this forward and talked about it as part of the teaching on the rod right so proverbs 22:15 right the rod of correction foolishness is bound up in a in a heart of a child and the rod of correction of the rod and reproof bring wisdom right a young child does not give proper weights to word the words alone okay so you have to support them in the rod you should be using the rod more okay during that infancy to childhood and then as we see going into childhood and then it needs to start diminishing okay if you do it right okay so don't hesitate to use the rod uh, you know in a way uh, with these young children of course all those safety things we talked about earlier you know don't abuse them you know don't use all your might and your strength you do it you know, gently gently meaning uh, in a way that they still hurt but doesn't cause damage physical damage uh, and injury to them right so you know you can say a lot of words right but that child his level of understanding is such that you know he will not necessarily understand the seriousness of the of those words until they feel some pain okay and uh, you know i'm i'm actually these days uh, i i i learn uh, Uh, you know more about a little more about this when i watched the way that lisa and joy deal with their cats okay this works with cats too by the way so when the cat does something uh, uh, something the cat is not supposed to do you know lisa has this thing where she goes and i don't know what she does she does something to just uh, you know whack him on his neck or something i forget what it is but uh, sorry lisa if you're listening that's not exactly right uh, but the cat understands that okay they feel a little pain and then you can see the cat after that get a little upset and you know go down like this and and feels a little embarrassed and and uh, you know doesn't go near her uh, you know so you know they need to feel a little pain okay they need to feel that pain along with the command they need to understand that when they challenge your command or your order or your you know and they disobey that there is pain uh, associated with this right they are not uh, 
you know they don't give proper weight so so the rod is a is an adjunct it's a, it's a it's a complementary tool to give weight to your words okay it's a way that they understand okay dad and mom has told me something right i have to obey if i don't obey okay then the consequence is pain okay uh, and punishment right sowing and reaping or reaping and uh, yeah sowing and reaping so when do you use it when you've given a directive the child has heard it within his capacity to understand and he has not obeyed without challenge without excuse without delay and we use it because god has commanded it right and we have to be very consistent with it okay and we talked about all this i'm not going to repeat this you know the how and the why of using the rod uh, you know uh, we talked about this several times so i'm not going to do that so that's pretty much what what is here right and uh, what i'd like to do now is is actually we have some time so uh, if you go to the if you have your books please open to the frequently asked questions starting on uh, on uh, 151 Okay. Uh, okay, Bernice, can you read uh, this? Uh, I just read the answer out as it is. What is a spanking issue? In this stage, when you are teaching children to be people under authority, spanking should be reserved for issues of defiance, failure to honor, and failure to obey. Mm -hmm. When dealing with a toddler, it is less important that he remember the house rules. You should be willing to tell him every time you place him in the high chair. that he cannot throw his food on the floor you certainly don't want to discipline for childishness children are clumsy and they lack mature judgment they are going to knock things over and break them accidents due to clumsiness are not an occasion to spank with young children you must keep the focus very crisp spank only for defiance as children get older it is fair to have some issues that are house rules If you do not allow sliding down the banister or leaping from the banister to the sofa, it is fair to expect a school-age child to remember such things. It would be appropriate to deal with that as a spanking for disobedience issue. Okay, so I hope that's clear. What he's doing there is making that distinction between defiance and childishness. Okay. Uh, you know uh, childishness sometimes kids do childish things that can be very irritating to us because when they spill something it means you have to clean up sometimes they spill a, a thing of milk all over the the thing oh my goodness that's a uh, that's such an irritation okay and it's very easy to get angry and spank the child and he might do it multiple times even okay it's not that they are trying now of course if the child is deliberately doing it you need to figure that out but most you know most of the time when that happens it's it's by accident and you know it's by accident so so that's clear does anybody have any doubts on this uh, i i think this is an important one you know how do you use your judgment to know whether something is a spanking issue or not any uh, questions i see something on the chat next session by lisa matakal shepherding the heart of a cat actually you know i i was joking with lisa that she should write a book on it uh ajit uh, so i don't know if she plans to do that she's quite a good writer uh, <laughs> shepherding a cat's heart all right okay let's go to uh, the next one uh, let's see yeah who else uh, jean do you have a book jean or ruby yeah we do yeah go ahead can you read that one when is my child old enough when is my child old enough when your child is old enough to resist your directives he is old enough to be disciplined when he is resisting you he is disobeying if you fail to respond those rebellious responses become entrenched the longer you put up disciplining the more intractable the disobedience will become intractable Intra intractable yeah 
yeah the disobedience will become yeah so just hold on one second uh, gene so that that's an important point right so when we keep putting it off and we keep tolerating it okay uh, there's two problems one is that you're being inconsistent and and you you cause confusion because when you punish it you know uh, later and you didn't then they're like well, why did you why been doing this you know uh, so many times that you didn't do anything why are you getting mad all of a sudden right the second thing is that you know uh, intractable means that it becomes difficult to control later okay it becomes ingrained in them uh, the longer you put it off so the the sooner you start disciplining for this kind of rebellion the better okay yeah, keep going gene rebellion can be something as simple as a small child struggling against a diaper change or stiffening his body when you want him to sit on your lap the discipline procedure is the same as that which is laid out above you have no way of knowing how much a child less than a year old can understand but we do know that understanding comes long before the ability to articulate your temptation will be to wait until your children are speaking and able to articulate their rebellion before you deal with it when our oldest child was approximately 8 months old we were confronted with parenting our first mobile child he crawled everywhere we had a bookshelf constructed of boards and bricks fearing the shelf would fall on him maji told him not to pull himself up by the shelf after moving him away from the shelf she left the room as she peeked in on him she observed him surveying the room not seeing her he headed back toward the forbidden bookshelf he was a young child not yet able to walk or talk looking to see if the coast was clear so he could disobey obviously he was old enough to be disciplined yeah so uh, so again i'll go back to the cats okay so our cats i think i mentioned this you know they uh, they like to go and uh, uh you know they like to go and uh, push over the uh, the green uh, uh you know what is it uh, the the waste dabba you know the food waste dabba uh and uh, and and eat the food okay and and they are very 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 cunning they'll come and they'll do scope around the thing they'll make sure that amachi is not there or or nobody's in there in fact when paul is washing the dishes they will stand out there very very dutifully and wait for him to leave the kitchen you know and then they will go in right so so it's like they know that they're not supposed to do it because they've been when they've come before we've told them shoo 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 or chase them off and and so i mean even animals understand this right so so don't assume that uh, children don't understand right uh, of course you have to use your judgment and and make sure that they really are understanding uh, and of course there are children who might be a little slow in development or whatever right? that's that's why you're the parent the mother the father and you spend time with the child to really understand if there is a serious problem but you know we're talking about most uh, the norm here right the norm is that a child starts understanding these things uh, much much younger okay okay uh, all right when is a child too old ajit you want to read that did you find it yeah 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 sir yeah yeah do the next one when is a child too old i always tell parents that i do not know the answer to this question there are so many variables to take into account there are maturational differences between children there is a place of a child within the constellation of other children in your home there are differences in disposition and temperament all this makes it both impossible and unwise it in order to be free after which one would never stand I continue reading further. Yeah, yeah. Keep reading. Read the whole thing. What I find is this: spanking is most effective in dealing with young children. They fear being spanked. The spanking gives weight to your words. The spanking sobers and humbles the child. 
as children get older they get more stoic about spanking they learn how to deal with it the intensity of spanking required to make the same impression on a 12 year old that you make on a 2 year old would be excessive yeah as children mature there are other consequences to be employed in a later chapter we'll examine means and methods to employ when dealing with older children yeah so i think i think it's very clear that you know you can't really set an arbitrary uh, you know time frame to say you don't spank after a certain age it depends on all these different factors uh, i hope that's that's clear any uh, any questions on that okay this is one of the favorite ones for people is can i use time out instead of spanking so let's see what the author has to say about it uh, let's see who else uh, somebody else has a book uh, jebin and tanya do you all have a book Ah, yes, Doctor. You do have the book. Okay. Can you read page one fifty three? Can I use timeout instead of spanking? Yeah. Just a moment. Okay. No. Many times in discussions after teaching about spanking, I have had con conversations that go something like this. Ted, I love all the stuff you're teaching. The circle of blessing, the emphasis on the grace of the gospel, the importance of communication. It's all great. But here's the deal. I don't like spanking. Can't I use timeouts instead? You do not have the right to substitute what God has commanded with the popular ideas of the culture. God calls parents to spank their children. As a parent, you do not have the right to say, "I don't like God's idea. I like my idea or the culture's plan better." You need to trust God and obey God. That said, if you have a rambunctious Two year old, it may be appropriate to say, "Here, honey, you need to sit for a minute and calm down. Here is a book you can look at. I'll let you know when you're allowed to get up. Or if something ugly has transpired, to say to say to your eight year old, you need to go to your room and think about what you said or what you did. I will come and speak with you later. Neither of these are wrong things to do, but you cannot substitute time out for spanking." Yeah, thank you, Jabin. I I think uh, the point there is that you know, uh, if if you are like he, that example of the lady who asked the question, she was pretty much saying that I don't like spanking, I can't handle it, and so I'm not going to use it at all, right? And substitute. So you can you can use some of these things in the right uh, context, okay, uh, but not at the to the exclusion of spanking, not instead of, right? You can't replace it. God has given us. these instructions we follow those instructions there might be places for for these kind of things you know, i remember uh, i remember I, i don't know if it was with lisa who one of one of our kids uh, you know when uh, especially going to church right so i i see he talks about reading the book we used to have something called the the quiet book you know and uh, it would be just an empty thing with with sheets of paper and you would give her a pen or a crayon or something and and she said okay this is a quiet book and when you have the quiet book what are you supposed to do is say quiet and just draw okay and that was that was one of the ways we used to just teach them to sit quietly and not make a racket or, or things like that especially at church right in the in the early years so so these are just little things you do to 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 get the children to uh, you know especially that natural sort of you know a lot of kids you know uh, they they just naturally want to run around i mean they they they're exploring their you know um, you know they they just it's it's not that they are trying to be rebellious that's their nature is to go and explore but given that their nature there are still times when we need to work and teaching them to control themselves right and the best time to do that is uh, is um, is uh, is when you are uh, sitting quietly at your family prayer 
Okay, where do you train your child to sit quietly in church? You do it at your family prayer. And I love the way uh, I saw um, um, Jobin. I don't know if Jobin is here. Is Jobin here? Jobin and Ruby. Yeah, so Jobin had, uh, he had his camera on today morning and he had Judah sitting on his lap. You know, even it's a little odd with the Zoom thing. I don't know how much he gets of that, but, uh, but, he, but he had him sitting, you know, and, and, uh, uh, and that's a great way to, to teach a child that he needs to sit quietly, right? Uh, one of the things that I used to do is that uh, when the, the smallest child always sat next to me and not next to his or her mother. Okay, and I found that, and they would be on one side uh, away from any other children. So it would be smallest child, me, and then the other kids, okay, and then their mom somewhere there. So uh, the reason for that is that when they're with the other children, they tend to fidget and they tend to play with the other one and all these kind of things. So if there were two kids who tend to fidget, we'll separate them out. So you've got to do these kind of things, understanding the nature of children, uh, but at the same time, helping them to understand that they and getting them used and experienced to sitting quietly for 30 minutes or an hour or whatever, right? So start with the family prayer at home. Uh, and yeah, there are places where you can use things like timeout, but not to the exclusion of timing, okay? Uh, I'm just trying to see if there's, uh, yeah, some of these are obvious. We've talked about what if I'm too mad, then you shouldn't do it if you're not at home. Um, yeah, so let's look at this one, interesting one. Uh, uh, <clears throat> go to page 156. Uh, you. Karen, are you there? Karen, uh, you have the book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one that says, what if I know my child is lying to me? Can you read that? Yeah. When you feel your child is lying, a good first course is to secure an honest response through discussion. If that fails, and it often will, you need to move to general discussion of the importance of integrity. Remind your child that God requires integrity, that all things are laid bear before him and that we will all finally give account in his court. Discuss the benefits of integrity in your relationship. Help your child see how he benefits from integrity. Sometimes none of this will work. The child remains in implacable. Implacable. Implacable, implacable, yeah. What do you do? Do you call him a liar? Never. If you tell your children that you don't believe them, you will dishearten them. If they become persuaded that you will never believe them, there is no reason to talk of a future relationship. Refusing to call your children liars and prizing your relationship with them encourages integrity. I have been amazed at the degree of self-disclosure and even self-incrimination my children have exhibited as a result of this. If your child will not come clean about what he has done, then he will get away with it this time. That is sad. But your losses and his losses are less if you walk away than if you call him a liar. If what he has done reflects deceit, you will have other opportunities to address it. It is much better to fail this time and preserve relationship than to damage your relationship and fail to address the deceit as well. Yeah, so this is, this is, thank you, Karen. This is getting to a more complex kind of situation, right? And, uh, and this happens a lot with, with children where they think they, you know, they get away with it one, they think they'll get away with it again. And I think that first part about reminding your child that God requires integrity is very important. And this is, again, another opportunity to explain to them and build up their concept of God as an all-knowing God, right? So one thing that I've often done is I've told them where I have a doubt. I don't know if they're lying or not lying because you know, they tend to say, no, I did not do it. Okay, whatever it is. Uh, and uh, you, you tell them, you know what, I may, you might be able to fool me 
you know, you might be able to trick me and hide it from me. But remember, God is an all-seeing God. Okay, God is an all-knowing God. He knows exactly what you've done, right? And uh, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, the the Word of God says that be that that your sins will find you out, right? You will you will pay for it. You know, there is no, uh, you know, there you will pay for those sins. And so, you know, but if you if you if you own up and you are honest and you repent of it, then God is willing to forgive you, right? You can take them back to scripture. Uh, and it's important to do that. But yeah, I think the important point there is, is you know, we need to be very, very, uh, you know, this this point about calling children names, right? Names that impugn uh, their character, like calling them a liar, calling them a thief, you know, these kind of things. We've got to be very careful. You focus on the act, okay? Not on the person, okay? Focus on the act. But then what you do want to do when it comes to the person is remind them, that the reason they do that is because they are sinner, right? Because of sin in their life. And again, a great way to sow the seeds, to not, not sow the seeds, but to prepare the ground, uh, okay, for the gospel. So, so that's a, a, a great thing. Um, um, uh, let's see, what if I'm not sure what happened? Okay, this is somewhat similar to the line. Uh, so maybe I'll ask uh, somebody else to read it. Uh, who do I pick? Okay, let's go to Preeti. Preeti, are you there? It says, uh, what if I'm not sure what happened? Yeah, uh, what if I am not sure what happened? If you're not sure and your child won't tell you, then there is nothing to do. There will be other times when you will be sure of what happened. At those times, you can deal with your child's needs. If you're not sure of what happened, how can you secure an acknowledgement from your child? Step three in the spanking procedure. How do I know what makes you yeah, so again, the point here is, you know, be clear before you actually administer a rod or a spanking, uh, you know, it's better to be clear, right? And, and, and uh, trust me, you will have plenty of opportunity, okay? Uh, there's no lack of opportunity to uh, to discipline a child and teach them, you know, if this one goes fine, let it go. So that's the point that he's making, right? Uh, okay, the next one, uh, maybe we'll close with this uh, because we're out of time. I'll just read this. What if nothing works? There are two ways to look at this problem. First, you need to assess whether there are some holes or inconsistencies in what you are doing. Secondly, you need to be prepared to be obedient to God, whether or not it seems to bear fruit immediately. So be patient, okay? Uh, it is my experience that most claims that biblical child rearing doesn't work or doesn't work can be understood in one of two ways. Either there's a failure to be consistent in discipline and nurture or um, uh, or there's some basic lack of integrity in the parent's relationship with God, his child or both. That last point is important. Okay, I think I think when you when you have a rebellion in the house and you're trying all these things and something is not working, uh, you know, I always encourage encourage uh, all of us as parents to go back and look at our own life, okay? What is my life like with the Lord? Okay, is the Lord trying to teach me by giving me this, you know, again, go back to the fact that God is in control. Every circumstance, you know, he's trying to teach us and mold us. You know, is he trying to tell me that, you know, I need to get closer to him? Maybe he is, right? Uh, you know, that, that there, is, uh, there is certainly, especially, I think as your kids grow older and you start seeing that signs of rebellion, a different kind of rebellion where, where maybe they're doubting their faith, maybe they're starting to do things that you would rather not have them do. Uh, it's a great way, a great uh, opportunity for us to self-examine. You know, am I spending enough time in prayer? Okay, and that's something that I have to constantly ask myself. Uh, and, and frankly, the answer is I'm not, right? Uh, you know, am I spending enough time 
praying for my kids okay praying for especially the older ones you know that they would learn because they're past that age where where you know i can give them a lot of instruction okay uh, and they have to sort of really come to that themselves and and what i can do is pray and the question is you know if they're not going down a certain path you know am i praying enough for them am i spending enough time praying for each of them right uh, as a father as a mother uh, and so uh, you know and i got to tell you um, you know i i know that uh, you know my uh, my mother ever since i can remember since i was a little kid okay she uh, she used to spend hours a day in praying and i could see her sitting on the floor uh, you know and praying and she does it today okay and if there's one thing i'll attribute to to uh, you know where i am today um, you know glory to god for that but uh, you know where i am today in my spiritual walk it's it's my mother's prayer okay and so i think i think we can't separate that important thing as a parent to pray for your child and to look at you know what's going on sometimes you can do all those things and your child can still go wrong okay but 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 it's it's a great opportunity to ask ourselves and do a little self examination right uh, and and to say you know is there something wrong in my life that i need to correct is there some distance between me and the lord that i need to uh, bridge right um, you know and uh, uh, you know is there some basic lack of integrity in my relationship with god uh, or my relationship with the child or in both Uh, so that's this that's a very important point uh, maybe it's a good point to close with so there are there are other questions in here please go and read them okay i encourage you to read all of them uh, obviously the answers are self explanatory and if you have questions you can always come back and ask okay all right we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here uh, and uh, uh, you know uh, uh, thank you everybody for your attention uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon lunch and rest and whatever else you will do today bye